everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marlin's Corner. We are back with three more things to review. We'll be starting with HBO and their uh, miniseries, DMZ, and we'll go on to Windfall on Netflix and wrapping up with Adam by Eve, also on Netflix. First up, like I said, we got DMZ on HBO Max. Now, this miniseries came out March 17th, again, March of this month on the 17th. And um, I don't know about you all, but on uh, HBO Max, when I went to go watch it, it definitely wasn't plugged at like the top of the viewership. You know, typically when something new comes out for a while, it's definitely like the one thing they're plugging. This was not true for this uh, particular series. It was very interesting kind of scrolling through HBO Max until I found it. And I'd love for you to go on your HBO Max and just see how long it takes you to scroll down and find DMZ. It's going to be in big uh, spray painted yellow letters. Definitely is a very interesting thing that uh, HBO isn't plugging this as much as they possibly could, considering the talent that is attached to this particular project. Now, DMZ is based on a graphic novel series by Vertigo Comics, which, of course, we know is acquired by DC Comics. So this is considered a DC property film. Food for thought for that one. Uh, and again, this has a lot of talent attached to it. Um, the executive producer and director is Ava DuVernay. Again, Ava DuVernay is the EP and director of this project. And it's uh, not getting a lot of advertising dollars. I'm not sure why, but there's, you know, take that for you. And then not only do they have this amazing director, uh, they also have a secondary director for the other episodes on here, Ernest R. Dickerson, who, if you know Spike Lee films, he often partners with Spike Lee. And he also has a really awesome film that I like called Juice uh, with Tupac. So again, these are two really awesome directors attached to this project. And it's very surprising that those advertising dollars aren't like pushing this film hardcore. And that's just behind the camera. In front of the camera, it's also amazing. We have Rosario Dawson attached to this project. Rosario Dawson, who is in uh, the MCU with the Defenders. We see her a lot. She's playing Alma Ortego. We also have Hun Lee in here as Wilson Lin. And if you know Hun Lee, he's no stranger to HBO Max. He also was on the Warrior HBO Max streaming show that had a ton of money going to that budget, had amazing fight scenes. He's on this. And we also have Benjamin Bratt playing Parco Delgado. So again, we have these three amazing actors attached to this project, and it's not getting plugged as widely and as much as it should, which considering the content that we see in this very mini series, this four episodes, is pretty surprising. But let's just kind of dive right in. So DMZ takes place uh, in a time period where there has been a, a civil war, which let's not be too surprised by the concept of there being a, a second civil war in, in, in the country. There's a civil war and has divided the country between states that are military controlled and free states. And in this divvying up, New York is in the middle and New York has been identified as a demilitarized zone or DMZ. The people in New York, um, there are some who decide to flee and there are some who decide to hang back and be rebels and stay in the DMZ. Rosario, Rosario Dawson's character 
in an attempt to escape and protect herself and her child tries to leave and in the confusion loses track of her child uh and you know 11 years pass and she's decided now to return uh and find uh her boy return to find her boy in the dmz area and a lot has changed in 11 years not only her son has changed but the surrounding environment of the dmz has changed what's beautiful about this series is that they show you what new york could look like specifically manhattan could look like uh and this very um apocalyptic type world. Now they are cut off from the the main area of the country. So, you know, not everyone has power, not everyone has running water, but we do have two factions in the DMZ who are vying for complete control. Those are those are of course led by Hun Lee in Chinatown and Benjamin Bratt and his crew. And what's interesting is that they not only do this very uh, Mad Max type fight of you know control, but they also try to be political with it as well uh, and hold you know these very public speeches to uh, convince everyone that I am the right person to lead through you know by the daylight, by voice, and by the nighttime, by force. So it's interesting to kind of watch that dynamic happen. And all while that's happening, you have Horizontal Dawson's character, Alma, who is just trying to get to her son and try to otherwise combine her family together again, who now is in the middle of this uh, this world and has to figure out how she is going to navigate it in order to A, protect her son, and B, protect herself. And... We get a chance to see that in four episodes, how it's all done. Um, we probably won't get uh, part two to the series. It's short-lived. But it was very interesting, and it is worth the watch. There are four episodes, each about an hour or so long, so about four hours in your day. But I will say it is a very daring project, and it is done quite well. And the actors in it uh, are really great at what they do. And it's very surprising to not see it get uh, the full push that it deserves, but you know, maybe we'll get an answer later on down the line. And this also reminds me of the fact that when there was Lovecast, when there was Lovecraft Country, how they also wanted to do a second season almost similar, talking about there being uh, you know, white states or having this other civil war scene happen. So it's very interesting to see that while Lovecraft Country didn't get a chance to further explore this idea. And DMZ, we kind of see part of that uh, happen. So, hey, HBO, maybe make some better decisions. Maybe extend uh, either this series, DMZ, or maybe you call back uh, Lovecraft Country and get that get that you know additional season to really flesh out some more stuff. But otherwise, I think DMZ is a fun watch. Uh, I would give it. Uh, I you know what I would give it. I'd give it a solid seven. It definitely plays on a lot of tropes about uh, post-apocalyptic worlds. And it definitely does a lot of, oh, my son, and I've changed, and you've changed, and you don't understand me, Ma. And definitely can get grading at times and be like, listen, you don't understand. You mis- you, you're misunderstanding this, or you're just being obstinate to be obstinate. So it definitely can grade on your nerves. But otherwise, it's still a very compelling story that'll still draw you in. So seven out of ten. Still worth that watch. All right. And next up on Netflix, we have Windfall, uh, which is about 90 or so minutes long. Uh, It has uh, Charlie McDowell as the director of this film. And you might recognize him as the director from The One I Love, 
The Discovery as well. Uh, so he has a few films under his hat. Uh, starring in this film, we have Lily Collins, Jesse Plemons, and Jason Siegel. Now, Jason Siegel also has a writing credit on this. And what's also interesting is that uh, Lily, Jesse, and Jason also have producers credits as well. Um, and yes, those three people I listed are the uh, main characters, and there are three of four characters uh, that we see. So again, for this entire 90-minute runtime, you only see on the screen about four characters, but three of them are the main trio for the um, duration of this film. And you go into this film with, I want to say, a five-minute or so uh, silent uh, just montage of a character just kind of like walking around the property uh, and just kind of chilling. And then when you do get into the nitty-gritty of this um home invasion slash robbery you go in knowing nothing and by the time it ends and the film is over you still know nothing which the director uh charlie mentioned he kind of wanted you know and the q a for the film on netflix he mentioned that and i quote i was more interested in character than plot of course as actors writers and directors we created a backstory and what is the reason for this person being here? Do they have a past or connection with, with one of the characters? And so, yeah, we have our ideas, but we felt that was less interesting and it would take away from the movie. And we wanted to be more about the characters and not about analyzing the plot. So, yeah, they mentioned that we didn't give you much to go off of at all to the point where the names of the characters are pretty much Jason Siegel's character's name is Nobody. Jesse Plemons' character's name is CEO. And Lily Collins is just named Wife. And the other character is just named Gardner. So no one has any title, like, no one has any names in this film. Everyone is just unknown. We get some backstory around potentially the CEO and how he got famous. It's very vague, very nebulous. He mentions there being an algorithm. We know that the wife character is very into philanthropy. And we know that Jason Siegel's character, nobody, somehow has connection to uh, the CEO character. And there are several, there are several moments in time when you know the characters try to question his motivation. And Jason Siegel's character just is very good at just deflecting. Like, I'm not gonna answer that. You don't need to know. What difference does it make? Where the film split me specifically is how the how the married couple chose to react during this robbery. Um, in most cases, and I mean, I, I'm not uh, I'm not you all listening right now, but in most cases, if someone breaks into your home and uh, tries to, um, you know, tie you and your spouse up, you would both be on the same team of like, hey. This guy's the bad guy. We both collectively don't like this person and we're going to work together to make sure we both get out of the situation A-OK. And maybe it's just one of those film tropes where for some reason when uh, in movies, when there is a, a robbery taking place, everyone's marital issues just come out. And now it's like, well, you didn't you didn't give me flowers on my birthday and now I'm mad at you. And now I agree with the robber and now I'm angry at you and we're going to be friends. And it's like, in any real situation, you're probably going to be mad at the person who's tying you up. 
who's making you, who literally just showed up into your house and you're freaking out. And I just don't see a world where over time you're like, you know what, this, uh, this robber guy, I like him. He's, 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 he's pretty cool. I think what he's doing is a okay, but, but, you know, but my spouse, my SO, I know I've known them for a long time and I've met their family and I know what their day job is and we've been staying together for a long time. Maybe I don't really know them after all. Maybe the strange person who I've met four hours ago, maybe I know more about them in those four hours than I could have known about my SO that I've known for X amount of years. Uh, it's hard to chew at times, especially when there is dialogue where uh, the wife character seems to be hypercritical of her husband in that moment of like, hey, so I know we're being robbed right now and this is very scary, but like you work too much or you don't ever say I did a good job. And it's like, is this really the moment in time that you want to have this specific discussion while you're being robbed and the scary person? I think Jason Siegel is a tall man. Like Jason Siegel is gigantic. And you're going to choose this man is like fully intimidating you physically. And you're like, you know what? Maybe he's a good person, you know? Maybe he's a good guy. And I get that the film absolutely does a great job of showing just how lanky and goofy Jason Siegel as a character is. Because the film, while it is, while it does have its um, thrilling and, um, I guess, scary moments, uh, they definitely drop and trickle in a few of these, like, Pratt moments of, like, Jason Siegel being a little lanky and, like, tripping over something and not finding something and not knowing math that well, just like finding moments of just hilarity to kind of sneak in there and add some levity to it all. But definitely at times you're just kind of like, y'all are way too comfortable with this robber. Like, why are y'all being buddy buddies with this man? This man is actively like trying to take stuff from you and scaring you. And I, the film also tries to, again, hint at the CEO being the bad person. You know, the CEO, the CEO is probably a stand-in for your Jeff Bezos or uh, your Mark Zuckerberg or even uh, your Elon Musk. Uh, and he definitely, they, they definitely try to play up how this person is like, yo, like people they even include the, the, a, a specific line of dialogue to really polarize uh, the audience on this character uh, the CEO at some point to really drive home how uh, how terrible he is says the line it's hard to be a rich white man these days <laughs> just really like listen I'm the bad guy and you shouldn't like me and yes I know that I'm being robbed right now and any person will be mad in this moment in time, but let me tell you how horrible I am to really make sure, to really make it hard for you to like really root for me to come out of this on top. Just, yeah, yeah, I'm a rich white guy. It's so hard. The internet's so mean to us. Uh, so there is that. This film definitely has a lot of fun. It is very direct in its critique. Um, and it makes sense, especially especially considering that uh, Charlie uh, McDowell also was the director, I think, on a couple of Dear White People episodes. And we all know that that show is very direct with its messaging to white people. So eh, it makes sense. You know, it's, 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 it's par for the course for that specific social commentary that this film is delivering on. But all in all, uh, I like the film. It was very interesting. The ending of this film was, uh, <laughs> was bananas. It ended in like the most abrupt way following 
a high intensity moment and it was just done. Like it just was like, great, 90 minutes are up and it was just all. Uh, and I know for some people that might not be satisfying, but I got to tell you, I really like it when a film just cuts off because it leaves you with like this anxiety of like, but wait, no, but wait, come back. What happened? But what, but what happened? What happened? What's going to, but you just did a thing. Are you not going to talk about the thing? I just love the feeling that you just leave like, but there's so many questions I have that are going to, they're never going to be answered. It's, it's a great feeling, especially because these types of films more likely than not don't have a sequel. So they just end on this note of just like finality where it's like, I'm never going to know what happens next. And I happen to like that. I happen to like where films are great. We didn't give you anything and you're going to get nothing out of us as well. Like you like it's, it's just done and you can try to piece it together. Good luck with that. But we're not coming back to this ever again. We're just going to wrap it. It's done. Done deal. Our hands are clean of this next project uh, because Charlie and Jason Siegel seem to be doing films a lot together. Uh, we, I, I love how it ends. I love how it ended. And I think you should give it a watch. I'll give it a watch. This one, despite its despite its soapboxness, I still think this is an enjoyable watch. Uh, and I honestly am going to rate it higher than DMZ. I'm going to give it an eight because this film does an amazing job with pacing. There are several moments where the dialogue drops out and the atmosphere is the key piece. The atmosphere, lingering looks, just lingering questions it's just done so well and what's also great is that this is all shot in one location in one house the director and this team drove up to this house to this house in Ojai, california they shot the film and didn't leave till they were done and they just left this is all done in one house one location and it just it, it's done beautifully so give it a watch eight out of ten windfall on netflix and lastly on our docket we have adam by eve um this is a animated concert or an animated project by eve a japanese artist um and he is attaching animation to his lyrics uh and most of you might know Eve if you watch anime, specifically if you watch Jujutsu Kaisen, and they had their opening song, Kakai Kitan, which is one of Eve's biggest songs. Um, so if you watch that theme song play in, this is uh, the artist Eve. And he he's working with some really awesome animation studios to just create these animated moments and there definitely are pieces of this concert uh there's like a storyline kind of which you can kind of follow I'm not gonna lie the storyline is kind of blah blah kind of boring you're not really there for that um and they're really trying to like i give them credit for trying to create plot that ties into his songs but honestly the last 20 or so minutes of this film are where are, are where your attempt is going to be. It's, it's about an hour long at like, I like maybe like the 35 minute mark. That's when we start seeing much better animation. We stop with like the live action stuff and we focus more on animation. We start seeing some amazing animation, some amazing songs that tie into uh, everything. They, they tie into the high modes of the animation, the fight scenes in the animation. You get to see like 
anime girls fighting some like robots you get to see uh some like really cool like uh alien species uh and like for the last 20 or so minutes it's just beautifully done and they of course hit you with the kakai kitan uh which is high octane and what's really cool is that uh eve has this kind of like sia type situation going on where like you never really see their face the camera will always like go to like the front of them but like it's like a there's like a lampshade in the way or a pillar in the way and you just see that like bob of his hair and he's just kind of hanging there doing his thing like really flowing with his with his music uh but overall it, like it's beautiful when the animation is the sole uh thing on the screen the live action was was blah blah, blah. it was all right um all in all like uh as much as i enjoyed it uh and as much as i enjoyed being exposed to a different genre of music and more of this artist's um kind of collection uh it also was definitely uh, a bit a bit slow a bit boring if you're a fan this is definitely going to be something you're going to be enjoying because you love this music. If you're very casual like me um, and you want to see it, I would recommend just fast forwarding a bit to like the cool animation part, which was where I was there for. It looks really great. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, but overall, it's, it's like a five. You know, if you want to play in the background and do some work, you absolutely can. It won't be the most enthralling thing, but, you know, it'll... Definitely give you a couple of good little toe taps, a couple of head bops here and there. So yeah, give it a listen or better yet, stream these songs on Spotify and just kind of kick it, you know? Read a book, play some of this in the background. Kakai Kitan is a bop still and always will be. It's a great opener. I love it so much. It's really great and fantastic. But I mean, this necessarily isn't really a must watch, to be honest with you. And it's not bad. It's just... Uh, it's a very niche project. It's a very niche project for individuals who are really into Eve or just want to experiment and open up their uh, Spotify algorithm to something new, you know? But with that, folks, that is our three projects of this week on Marlin's Corner. I appreciate you for listening and hanging with us for these 20 minutes or so. Uh, make sure you Make sure you check that spaghetti if it's on the pot or on the stove. Uh, you can probably, you know, go to the laundry room and get your get your laundry out of the dryer. Whatever project you're doing, you can now do something else. We appreciate you for tuning into us for your podcast of the day. If you want to suggest future content, you can hit me up at Marlin's Corner on Instagram and on Facebook. And like I said, you'll find us again next week, same time, same place, same corner on Marlon's Corner. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. This episode of Marlon's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.